You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com, which is the business building community for change makers who want to build a sustainable and scalable business while, of course, make a much bigger impact in the world. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says the secret to thriving and enjoying a satisfying, fulfilling life is to always trust your inner compass and follow your inner guidance, which is your intuition. Joining me on today's show is Kelly Richards. Kelly, well, she may just be one of the most well-connected music tech execs on the planet. She's made a living by making others great. And she has worked with the likes of Steve Jobs, Todd Rundgren, and countless others, some famous and others not so famous. Now, she is a forward-thinking leader, has created powerful alliances and connections between Silicon Valley, Hollywood, and Madison Ave as a visionary, strategist, innovator, rainmaker, trusted advisor, and thought leader for over three decades. Now, on today's show, Kelly's going to share how it's possible for a woman to succeed and thrive in male-dominated industries. She's also going to share how it is so important to have a trusted advisor as well as why it's important to continuously innovate and reinvent ourselves. So welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. Great to be with you. That is really impressive. And I have met you through a number of uh, networking roundtables and have just heard you share just some of the snippets of insights during those meetings. And I thought I cannot wait to get you on the show because of the, the, as we said in the introduction here, you know, decades, decades, three of them actually. uh, And there's nothing better than to get someone such as yourself to be able to share insights, hindsight, foresight, all of that can be gained through, you know, your expertise. And of course, the the incredible people that you've had the ability to work alongside and support. If I was to ask you, if you would go right back to the beginning, you know, often the question, and you may have been asked this, maybe not, but did you ever foresee yourself uh, where you are today Sometimes we can backtrack. And the man who's, who you worked with, we said Steve Jobs, I believe he said something, you know, often when we look behind and back through our history, then we can join the dots to kind of see the pathway that led to where we are today. If you were to do that and kind of look back right at the beginning, what was it that had you start this incredible, what is now an incredible career. Can you take us back? Sure. Uh, and the actual quote Steve used was, you, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. Love it. Um, and I, don't, I never really agreed with him on that because the one thing, one of the many things he and I shared were, was being fellow visionaries. And I often see how the dots connect well before other people do, sometimes yeah. decades in advance. Um, and I, And the first 20 years, 25 years of my career, I kept wondering whether I would be living inside a crystal ball, waiting for the world to catch up for the rest of my life. And everything I envisioned would happen in technology and the the intersection of music and entertainment has happened, but they've happened on their own timetables, not when I predicted they would. Right. So I'm not in control of the timing, but I typically have the right vision of where things are headed. And that started really at the age of eight. I was one of those kids that was very prescient, 
um, very much ahead of their time and was very clear uh, in watching the man behind the Beatles turned out to be Martin, their producer, that that was what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. I originally thought it was that I was going to be a record producer like him. And I, and, and I, I was perpetually frustrated because that was and kind of remains a lockout profession for women. So I wasn't going to get arrested as a woman in that field, although I really, really studied to do so very hard. It was just hitting a brick wall because of the gender, the gender lockout. Um, and so I pivoted and went sideways, and we'll talk a little bit about that journey. But um, I guess what I would say is my vision about where I'd be in my career all these years later um, didn't come to pass exactly as I imagined it, but it's also not too far off the mark. So as you're sharing that, Kelly, it's interesting because, you know, I believe that because my, my background has been in the career industry and as I was working with different people, everyone's got different skills, abilities, you, you know, um, preferences of communication, things like that. And the real visionaries, the people who can say, I think that that is a gift. I don't know. That's what I call it. It's a strength. It's an area that you know, a, a unique few have. And that's fantastic because if we all had the same skills and gifts, you know, there would not be the people that were supporting behind the scenes and so forth. So that's really interesting. And I love that you shared that. So thank you so very much. Now, you did mention that we're going to talk a little bit about being a woman in a male-dominated dominant um, industry. And I know many women, uh, listeners and, and viewers of uh, the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, what are some insights you can share? Because unfortunately, whilst some industries have moved forward, we, we're certainly still talking about women yeah. working alongside their counterparts who are male in, in industries even today. Well, or worse, where women are either a dramatic minority or not even allowed to really be in the profession. And, and sadly, while that's evolving, it's still the case. In the case of my chosen profession, again, all those years ago to be a record producer, um, still today, there's only 3% of that industry that's women. And that's a lot of years later. And just recently, funny enough, just last week, I noticed that Mattel is launching a Barbie record producer to, sh you know, complete with a turntable and the headphones and the mixing board and everything. Um, to showcase that as being one of the professions that women aspire to do and should be able to do. Well, first of all, it was a mindset, and, it, and that's what carried me throughout my whole career. I never really, I, I was forced to accept that that was going to be the case with that particular profession. There was no way around it at that time. There just wasn't. Believe me, I tried every door, and I made all the connections I needed to. It was just not going to happen back then. But what I have found is that I've come from two male-dominated industries and lived at the convergence of both for my whole career. Uh, that's music and tech. Mm -hmm. And um, what I've found is that if I if I sort of turn on my blinders and I don't accept that there are issues, they don't happen as much for me. Mm -hmm. I've never really, other than that one experience, I've never really experienced closed doors or limited ladder rungs because of my gender. Yes. I show up as a peer to the people I work with, whatever gender they are, and I do my best work and the work speaks for itself and the relationships are created and they speak on my behalf. And that's been the secret to my success is long-term trusted relationships where people keep helping me get where I need to go in addition to 
my own initiative. As I hear you share that, one of the things that I'm reminded of, and this is a conversation that I had back even in the career industry, you said you established long-term relationships, and I would imagine that they were trusted relationships. Trusted relationships. One of the things that I'm hearing, and I still hear this today, is that women are not nurturing and leveraging and building these trusted relationships. For what reason, I don't know. Did you find that that was the case also back then, if you were to kind of reflect over that? And do you see that that can also be a barrier? They're not getting out there connecting with the right people, uh, whether they know how to do that or not. I'm not sure. Have you seen that as well? Have you? Well, I, I, I've definitely seen a transition, Anne-Marie. Um, throughout most of my career, from my earliest days as a teenager all the way through until, gosh, maybe five years ago or something, I was just a driven connector. I, I was a networking fool. I'd show up at all the places. I needed to be at. I'd meet all the people I needed to meet. And then I'd establish relationships beyond that. I'd actually follow up and build those relationships over time, one by one. Yeah. And that's tensile strength that lasts forever if you, if you nurture it, like you said. However, um, I do see that is changing in the last several years. More and more people are leaning on LinkedIn and social network connects. With the pandemic, of course, we were all shut down and locked in and there were no live events to network at. Uh, to an extent, we had Zoom and, and online streaming, of course, but it isn't the same when you're when you're building a relationship from ground zero versus being there with someone live and uh, sharing a meal or, you know, having a drink and really getting to know them in person. They're really it's there's just no replacement for that. Yeah, but okay. it is a trend. I'm glad you reconfirmed that, Kelly, because one of the things that even today I hear some of my, you know, fellow career um, practitioners still say that women say, well, I work hard and I'll let my, um, you know, my outcomes speak for themselves. But the thing is they're not networking and building those trusted relationships, going to those meetings, putting their hand up for the projects that would allow them to showcase perhaps their abilities across more of the spectrum of the company, if that makes sense. So only a small minority of people may know them. And if they leave the organisation, well, there goes that trusted authority, you know, that, that small knit circle. So what would you say then to someone if you were just to bullet point some things. If a woman's been listening to you today, Kelly, I haven't really been doing that as intentionally as I should have. What would be some of the steps that she should follow to, to ramp up the building of some of these trusted relationships, which you know are so important? It's a good question. It's a great question, Anne-Marie. And of course, of course, it's a complex one to respond to because there are many facets to it. Some of it are practical tips and strategies. Some of it is mindset. Like I said, your first sale is to yourself. So if you show up with the mindset that even though these people might have a higher title than you, you're a peer, you belong in the room, you have confidence, you've got value to contribute, that's half of it right there. Yeah. The other half is um, you know, sharing your talents and expertise. As you said, volunteering, raising your hand to be a part of significant projects working hard, showing the merits of your work, um, letting the results speak for themselves. And then of course, fostering those relationships, doing things for other people, um, doing favors, creating connections for them, following up when people do good things for you. And that's how you build that web of the network and the relationships one at a time that lead to uh, 
what can happen over a long period of time in support of each other's success. Mm. Does that answer the question? Oh, beautiful, beautiful. One thing that I would love to for you to touch on too, and this may have been something that you've seen with other women, Often I find that if we're not clear, you talked about being aware of the value that you offer. And in, in my question is going to be this to you. Do you also see or maybe have identified that there are some instances that women don't actually really know where their strengths lie and therefore they can't be intentional in really showcasing that if that makes sense they're doing so many different things but they don't realize look my my skill and my gift is really in visionary so I need to get into projects and situations where I'm able to contribute that yeah it's yeah. one of those things, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know where your gifts and talents and strengths really lie, how can you contribute and, and put your hand up for projects that will allow you to showcase that? That's basically what I'm saying. You no, know, I hear you. And I think that it that really, in a word, it's feedback. It's at corporate, things participating, things like 360 assessments, what do your peers and your supervisors think about you and your how you show up, your presence, um, taking assessments and diagnostic uh, you know, evaluations. So you learn more about yourself. Um, uh, and, and, and frankly, asking for feedback, that's a big part of it. What do you see as my talents? How can I improve? Soliciting that from friends, peers, and supervisors. And then, of course, having access to mentors and advisors that see you the way the world sees you differently than how you might see yourself and can both reflect back to that that back to you and help prop you up and shore you up and help you to um, you know build more muscle or move in new directions to create more success for yourself. It's very hard to do all that by yourself. Ah, oh, it is. And that beautifully segues into the next area that I know that you can share some valuable insights. And that is the importance of having a trusted advisor. How would you define trusted advisor? Let's start there first, and then let's look at some insights into this well, area. Well, I define it very specifically for myself, Anne-Marie, as to the role I play in the world these days with my clients. So my definition may not be what it is for others, but the way I choose to define it then the way I offer my services to my clients is as a thought partner, a confidant. When there's, um, we have a lot of entrepreneurs and, and high level, high achievers in my world, e executives and, and creatives alike, who can't trust anyone because they've hit a certain level of financial success and everybody wants something from them. So having someone in their corner is incredibly valuable who isn't going to sell their story to the National Enquirer or you know, someone they can really trust when they can't trust even the people in the inner circle, maybe not even their spouse, to tell them the truth, to give them feedback. And, and so I define it that way. I define it as somebody who comes up with the box, creative ideas that you haven't thought about for yourself, new possibilities, fresh angles on a situation or a dilemma, creative problem solving. Uh, and finally, um, access to my network, which runs very broad and deep as a super connector, mm -hmm. so that when they know where they're headed, we can make connections and relationships and create opportunities that will accelerate where they say they want to go. That's how I define the role in my world, in the way I perform it. 
Yeah. And if we look back, and I love that definition, it's so true. I mean, for you to even say that there are people close uh, in a close circle that could not be trusted, I mean, that's horrifying, isn't it? Uh, and I, yeah, not I, even a spouse or a right hand person or a manager they've had for decades or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've heard stories of um, one one just so recently, someone who hired someone, been working with them for over a year at, to find out that there'd been things that had been um, shared, private information, and that kind of thing really creates, I'd imagine, almost like a jaded mistrust in others. And that's not where we want to be, is it? Because we need to surround ourselves, as you say, with these trust advisors, people who will see things and not be, um, you know, be bold enough to say, hey, what you're doing here is and, and, and help guide and, and shape because that's just a great well, way. Many of them are surrounded by yes people. Yeah. And what they really want is someone to tell them the truth about how they're showing up, about things they haven't thought about that might serve them better, new approaches, new opportunities. So yes. sometimes they need to bust out of their inner circle mm -hmm. to bring in someone with fresh ideas and perspective that they know they can trust and count on. Yeah. Now, Kelly, I know that you have only a certain limit of time. So the whole world can't uh, hire Kelly to have you them uh, work alongside you. So, uh, and, and obviously towards the end of uh, today's uh, interview, we'll share how people can connect with you. I'd love for you to share just some things, some insights again for people who may be looking for a trusted advisor. What are some of the things that they should be aware of? Are there certain questions that they should ask? I mean, if, if someone who is just new to this, what are some insights you could share so that they can find the right trusted advisor for them? And maybe it is you. So what can you share? Well, first of all, um, the best advisors cater to a certain niche audience because we can't serve everyone, nor should we attempt to. Um, so from my perspective, and then I'll pivot it from their perspective, from my perspective, I tend to gravitate towards working with high achievers who typically, but not exclusively, come out of the world as innovators or the entertainment music world as creators and talent and, and visionaries. Those tend to be my people. Um, that doesn't preclude me from working from others who inspire me, who maybe haven't reached that echelon. Some people are afraid to approach me because they think I'm not in that league. She won't be interested in talking with me. And it's not true. However, that segues to the other half of your question, which is how, to, how should others think when they're considering a trust advisor? It starts with a referral to someone that uh, someone you know has heard about, uh, they've worked with, so asking people and your, your peers, your network, mm -hmm. do you know of anyone who you think could help me? This is what I'm going through. That's a good place to start. Then it comes to the people that you come across as thought leaders in your profession. You're reading articles by them. You've heard an interview they've done, like in a podcast like this. You feel a sense of resonance and rapport. You go to the website and you go, wow, this person really speaks to me. They're speaking my language. I think they would get me. And then you reach out and, and ask for an exploratory conversation to see if there could be uh, a, a match. But you really want to get someone who's going to resonate with you and your vice versa, who you have an innate sense of rapport and that you think could really serve you well. Yeah. I think that... And uh, I left one last thing out that's really important, Anne-Marie, and that's integrity. Oh, it has to be. You, you it can't, to be. It can't be a trusted advisor if you're not in integrity. So yeah. people need to do their diligence. They need they to do. look into 
Who are who is this person? Can I really trust them? What do other people say about them? That kind mm. of thing. And that's where I think uh, your close, trusted um, individuals in your network are probably great people to reach out to referrals because no one uh, would, you would imagine, would refer someone who had anything but integrity, you know, and, and, and uh, excellence. Well, you would hope not, but sometimes the person has good intentions, but they've just heard of the person, of the advisor. They don't have any direct firsthand experience. And that's why it's important to do your own homework and diligence. Oh, absolutely. And as you say, you know, you have to have some um, resonance with, with them and a, a conversation or, I mean, th- Today, we have so many wonderful opportunities to see people in action through the interviews that they've been involved in and probably themselves are sharing content and we can get an, you can get a bit of an understanding of who they are just through that, I think, which is, is wonderful. And we've got all those tools and technologies at our fingertips. Well, so we can I, a lot of I would agree. And I mean, I, I, in all candor, I did a complete overhaul of my website a year ago now um, where it was designed to become a lighthouse beacon for my just right clients. I, it's, it's completely authentic. It's totally me. I wrote the copy with, you know, a little bit of refinement from a copy editor, but it was designed as an invitation um, to share the essence of who I am with the essence of who they are. And then if they picked up on that, that was a pretty good indication that we might have a match. Yeah, brilliant. And that beautifully segues into the importance of continuously innovating and reinventing ourselves. Share a little bit more maybe through the journey that you've had. And and I would imagine that with people that you work, there's some refinement and ongoing evolution of who they are, as you you probably recognise. Would you say, answer me this first and then we'll dive into the continual innovating and reinventing. In my experience, personally, and what I have seen, People often don't see the brilliance and the opportunities and capabilities in themselves. Often others see it in them in them in them first. Indeed, that's true. It's one of the roles I, of the trusted advisor in my in my experience, at least for me, being one. And that is to hold a mirror up to the other person. Maybe for the first time, the person's going to get a sense of who they really are because someone mirrors that back to them. Mm-hmm. We desperately need that in the world. We need people to validate us. We need to be heard, validated, seen, known by someone, even just one person. It's so powerful. Brilliant. And then, of course, once you've held that mirror up, Kelly, and you've I, you've shown that person, then it's continuously, you know, evolving, innovating, reinventing. What are some things we need to know about this? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, even as clear as I was as a kid, as I shared earlier, my own journey has evolved beyond what I envisioned at the beginning. I don't know anyone really and truly, maybe Steve um, Jobs, who had the vision and went straight to, even he didn't, he had the hero's journey where he got knocked out of his own company and came back and took it over. Uh, So people have detours in their journey and it's okay. It's part of life. It's an evolution. There are twists and turns that we don't foresee. Uh, We have to be willing to go with that. We have to be willing. My touchstone has always been the Wizard of Oz and the Yellow Brick Road. You know, put on the hat as Dorothy. Mm-hmm. You, you, you go down the Yellow Brick Road and people show up to help you. And you have all kinds of detours and weird experiences that you didn't expect. But somehow you find your way back to yourself and to the next piece of your own evolution. And a big part of that is reinvention, whether you, you do it consciously or it just happens to you. 
easier if you do it consciously and mindfully and choose to make the changes. But that can range, that can range from changing relationships, uh, moving locations, changing jobs, deciding I've had it with tech, which is a lot of what's happening post pandemic right now in the tech world in particular, people are saying, no, I won't go back to nine to five jobs. I don't want to work on site. I want to be a baker. I want to run an inn. I can work remotely. They're waking up to all opportunities to reinvent themselves when they had a whole year plus to contemplate that. Yes. So this is what's possible and, and is happening. You know what I love about what you've just shared there? I mean, it really is, again, what you sp- told earlier about what's the mindset that's driving you. We have to have a mindset of um, of reinvention because they're and, – and changing things. And some of the change can be very simple. Some of the change can be more, more dramatic. If I look back at some of the experiences that I have had, it has been the challenges and in some instances the real difficult challenges that have catapulted me me to where I am today. And I have a, you know, everyone has a story and I've got one myself. My worst business failure ever was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was the kick up the backside that I needed to really go, well, look, this is, this is, this opportunity or this was what's happened will either make me or break me and breaking me is just not an option in, in my life. So it looks like I've got to, you know, onwards and upwards. And I think once we start to realize that there's so many learnings, incredible learnings that we can take and then share with others you know pay it forward sort of thing have you found that too absolutely absolutely um i'm trying to figure out what direction to take can you help me reframe the question you want me to address on that so sometimes and so i haven't actually reframed it very well so thank you for (laughs) that prompt sometimes what happens is you know visionaries they try things you know, risk is is just part of that. And then when we experience failure, for some of us, we just pick ourselves up or we have trusted advisors that kind of help that for us. But others go, oh, I must be a failure. It's, success is not in the cards for me. And then they walk away. But it's like that is just one stage or maybe th- the stage three yes. or stage five. There are multiple stages, but those situations, what we might label as failure actually wasn't. It's just feedback that that particular way of doing things didn't quite work for that period of time. Keep trying, keep trying. So that's exactly right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the same situation or the same person, uh, a big lesson I learned was that no, isn't the cause to, you know, dissolve and crushed by. Yeah. It just means next one. Uh, and it doesn't mean no forever. Yes. So you can go back to that person at a different time with different value and say, you know, I've been thinking about you so-and-so I have your well-being in mind is the, is what you're really conveying and you really need to, it has to be authentic. And, and I've come across this solution I thought might be worth your, your attention. Can we spend a few minutes talking about it? Mm -hmm. And then it might turn into a different response later on when they're more receptive, the timing's different they're not in the middle of a crisis, whatever else is going on. So failure is part of the journey and it's a metric. It's just a compass metric. I'm off the mark or, or the mark is off for me right now. And you just keep picking yourself up and, and evolving and moving forward with hopefully with the help of other people around you. But a lot of people do it on their own. They're strong enough. Yes. The yes. worst thing you can do is give up and wind up in the ditch. And oh, just, you just pull a manhole cover over your head and go down. 
Yeah. And I know with a lot of visionaries, and I know that we do have a lot of visionaries that listen to the show, uh, don't be afraid to maybe backtrack and pick up an idea that you might have had years ago, because where the community, where consumers are now is quite different to where they were years ago. And I'll share an example. I started podcasting in 2008. And back then, a lot of my peers were going, what on earth are you doing? It wasn't even called podcasting back then. And I think it only, you know, audio was really starting to be used more in 2005. If, if I remember correctly. And people would tell us, You're, you, what are you doing? What a waste of time. But we, I loved that medium and I love the connection. I'm an extroverted introvert. So for me, that's the way of building my relationships. And I can learn so much from the people who I interview. So it's a, a win across all boards. Absolutely. Now, so many more people know what a podcast is. And why I'm sharing that is that someone today may have had an idea years ago where the society is ready for you to rebirth that maybe through a different way of speaking about it and, and how you're leveraging that. But some of those ideas we've had in the past are ready to be re relaunched, re reinvented. Yeah. There is absolutely no doubt. And by the way, I share that with you. I, had a I was the host of my own podcast for um, eight years starting in 2010. Yeah. Wow. And same reaction that you had, you know, what are you doing? Nobody cares. Who's listening? Blah, blah, blah. Well, before the big, you know, push okay. and the rise of podcasting. Um, but, but same thing goes with all these other, uh, many of these other initiatives that I envisioned and was part of early days that were decades ahead of their time. For example, when I was at Apple, we launched QuickTime VR in the early to mid nineties and VR has still not taken off. Yeah. And I published an article in Venture Beat magazine in 2016, why that would not be the year venture, uh, the uh, VR would take off. Um, so sometimes it takes, you know, Blockbuster could have been Netflix if it had pivoted, but yes. they couldn't let go of the vision they had for how things were going to go. They didn't catch the wave. Yeah. And so Netflix came in and took over. Same thing with bookstores and Amazon. It's like um, Darwinism. Either these companies and individuals evolve or they're going to die and be taken over by the next wave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, and sometimes you have no way of knowing. I mean, I, I worked on Napster when I first left Apple, um, you know, 22 years ago. Uh, and that was the dawn of streaming, music streaming. And mm -hmm. now that's the salvation of the music industry. But back then it was seen as, you know, putting a death knell in, the, in an entire industry. Nice. So you have to have a big enough vision to be able to rise above existing models and, and allow the world to catch up to that vision. But you have no control over whether they will at that time. Yes. So good ideas sometimes have to wait for their time when there's market traction and receptivity. That's right. And if it's something that, and and you you would probably have this, I mean, you talked about um, kind of, let me just go back, your intuition, your inner guidance. You just know that you know that you know. Mm -hmm. you, know you continue to do that. Like for me, and, and I'm sure for you too, we just continued with our podcast because it was how we were leveraging them as part of our business anyway. And as you continue to do that and, you know, people are listening, whatever it is for you, you continue to develop hone your skills hone your knowledge what can you use that you that that the you know market the industry is created that that you can amplify what you're doing or you know take it for podcasting we can also do video now we can also do live streaming so what in your industry can you use that can take what you're doing and, and make that even 
you know, better and bigger that others can say, hey, there's something to that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So it takes the vision, the creative vision about the possibility, plus your conviction that knows that's where the trends are headed. And then, unfortunately, having to let go of the timing of whether the market will pick it up at that point. And that's a little bit of luck and a little bit of smarts. I mean, you know. Kelly, uh, do you think you can train someone to be able to recognize the trends or do you think it's just an inbuilt ability? I'd like to believe it's the former. I do believe it's probably the latter. Yeah. I, I, I think you either, I don't know if you can become a visionary. Yeah. I think you have the proclivity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't go into what, what um the, the topic that I'm thinking about today, but there were certain things that I could see was happening well over a year ago. And it was like, am I in the twilight zone? And sometimes we feel like that. I don't know about you. You can see certain things and people are talking around you and you're thinking, do not they not see what I'm seeing? Yeah, yeah. You know? And then slowly and slowly the, the, the momentum builds as more and more people, as you said, wake up. And I think that's even in business and everyone's rolling towards this idea and you're thinking, I don't know. I mean, I'm, there, I'm sure there are others that that – that can yeah sense things can't you see when we put this together and that together where it can go um well but but yes that's all true and there are plenty of people who can connect the dots and see some trends it's whether they're willing to take the risks to put them together put the dots together and present their ideas whether those ideas met with receptivity there's been an awful lot of good ideas in the entertainment space around evolving um, distribution channels but people are worried about preserving status quo but how things have always worked, their quarterly bonuses at stake, they don't want to rock the boat around innovation. And so, so much has been held back by that kind of mindset in terms of moving things along to the next wave. Well, I'm all about challenging status quo. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but you know what? You Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose with that. Yeah, and you know what? I think sometimes, as you said, if there's such a thing as like a balanced approach, there has to be some realism to the risk-taking, I think. Um, yeah, you know, it really has to make sense. But it, but in the Western world, anyway, a lot of it does tend to pivot around quarterly metrics, financial metrics and um, budgets. And do they have the budget? Do they have the um, do they have a shared vision to be inclined to move into innovation for the future when it might not pay off for a company, say, for several years? Yes, that's right. That's right. And it's one of those things, isn't it? It's the right time, the right place, the right person that has been able to, that that has been nurturing this space, if you will, and in a position to be able to run with where that that trend is starting to to really surge. And I think this is so important where you get a team of, as you say, get a trusted advisor because they're often able to see things that we're not able to see because we're so close to, to well, yeah, and I, and I think that's at a micro level. At a macro level, I think visionaries have been perceived as wackos and on the fringe. And that's why we did the Think Different campaign at Apple in part to show that all those people that were seen as fringe outliers that everybody would shun in society were actually the ones paving the way to change through their creativity and their vision and things evolving at their direction. Yeah, and, I mean... Uh, 
So now all these years later. Everybody else. I mean, I, I, you know, my daughter, my youngest daughter, someone once you're weird. And she actually said it was with all truth. Thank you. Because she said I would not want anything else for the things that she was doing. And I tell you what, often what will happen is all of a sudden, you know, people will be poo-pooing and then all of a sudden they'll look and they'll go, look what this person is doing. You know, it, it happens often all the time. You just need that one person or, or uh, organisation that is doing something and they can really be the, 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 the driver, if you will, of uh, a new trend which they've been developing. But they, but they need to either be the decision maker or have, um, or be, have the decision, the influencers. They need to be in it. They, they need to be treated as, they need to be taken seriously with the vision. Yes, and I think that that in in and of itself is an area where uh, they can really get that support. It's like um, conversations that I've had with people who are highly skilled in tech, being able to communicate that in a way that other people can understand can often be a difficulty for them. And that's exactly why an advisor could make sense for someone like that. That's right. Help them slow down. Yeah. and reframe the opportunity in a way where they even role play what the other side might be thinking or doing so that the person with the vision and the idea has a better chance of receptivity and success because now they're you know turning their vision into they're they're translating it into the language the receiver is poised to hear in their own language yes you and know you can, you know you can be the tech guy but if you can't speak from the business person's perspective, yes. there's going to be a disconnect. There is, there is. I, I remember I used to have um, a boss many, many decades ago when I uh, worked in that JOB who would uh, come out with all these great ideas and then he would walk out into the factory and I remember the foreperson came to me and she said, if you see him walking towards that door, put your foot on the door so we can't come through because each time he comes up with these new ideas and we change everything, my team just goes, oh, no, what's he going to do, do now? And it's having that the buffer, if you will, but someone who's able to take those incredible ideas, break them down, help to position them um, because, yeah, visionaries often can come up with incredible ideas, but uh, maybe some of those can be put on on the shelf and let's roll out some of these ones first. Uh, yeah, so uh, true. So, Kelly, how can people find out more about you? Um, you mentioned that you have, uh, you know, really um, created a website which and, and content on that which you hope would speak to your ideal client and will do. How can they get in contact with you? What's the best way? Well, all of the contact info is on that site, and it's just simply my name, kellyrichards.com, Kelly with an I, Richards with an S, dot com. And of course, there's LinkedIn, but by far and away, the website is the place to is the place to start. Yeah, thank you, thank you yeah. so much. I mean, I know that we've only just scratched the surface. Uh, you know, we could have done another show. Maybe we'll get you back on the show and talk about innovation, talk about some of those things, um, because uh, you know, some of the solutions that we will need. Uh, for years to come are being planted. The seeds are being planted in the people now that you will be nurturing and being able to support. So we need, you know, um, incubators, if you will, and people such as yourself working with these people who do not even realise that they will come up with a solution that uh, we all need in the future. So thank you for the work that you do. Uh, You're very kind, Anne-Marie. I appreciate uh, that observation and and I agree with you.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks once again for coming on the show. And please, people, check out Callie's website, Callie with an I, Richards with an S, and uh, all of the details are there on how you can connect with her. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, Anne-Marie. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series.